Hello and welcome to Pop Culture Double Date. This week we are doing a spoiler full podcast of Skyscraper, the new Dwayne The Rock Johnson film that has just came out in Australia a couple of weeks ago. Um, and tonight I'm joined by my usual compatriots, Anija, Gerald, and Maggie. Um, so before we get started, hello everyone. Hi. Hi. Um, so I think before we get started, I'm just going to do a quick recap of the plot of Skyscraper, because I don't think it's going to take very long. It's a pretty simple film. Basically, there's a big burning building, and a man is trying to save his family from this big burning building. And the reason the building is burning is because there are terrorists in it. So the man is fighting the terrorists and saving his family. That's... I think that's a fair summary of the plot, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's a pretty simple film. As a bit of context, we went to see this film because um, we wanted something kind of dumb and <laughs> different to kind of talk about. So, on that note, I'm going to throw it to my other podcasters. Um, what were your quick impressions on Skyscraper? Did you guys like it? Did you guys hate it? Shoot away, guys. Who's first? I'll jump in. Look, I thought it was fine. You know, uh, it, it, it obviously it obviously uh, wore its influences very much on its sleeve. So it was Die Hard meets the Towering Inferno with a bit of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol thrown in, and um, and it wasn't an ambitious film. Uh, and given the modesty of its ambitions, it succeeded in delivering what it purported to. Um, bring audiences so i thought it was i thought it was perfectly i thought it was perfectly fine um though very much elevated by the presence and the charisma of the rock agreed fully agreed on that mags Adager, who who wants to shoot next you go you go next darren let's uh, hear your views oh okay well look i, I think i i agree with gerald like i i thought this was a pretty functional film i mean it's not high art but it was a really enjoyable kind of just dumb action film. I mean, if you, it's one of these films, if you stop and think about it, it's really, really, really dumb. And the stuff that's actually happening in it, in it is just outrageous, right? Like from the premise that some Chinese guy builds this building, which is three times the height of any other building in the world. It's just <laughs> ridiculous, right? You know from the start, this is a super dumb film. But... For a dumb film, it's kind of, you know, it delivers on the story. It's a ma about a man trying to save its fam his family. It's a really basic story, and it kind of works. The action is really good. The Rock, obviously, is super likable. Um, and, like, there were... Like, I... Basically, the reason... One of part of the reasons I liked it... Probably, well, one reason why I really like this film is because when I was watching it, there were multiple moments when I just started laughing. Not because it was, like, intentionally funny, but because of how crazy over-the-top, like, stuff was, right? Like, the amount of, sort of, exotic gym exercises The Rock was doing. It's basically a rock gym workout session um, <laughs> in this, like, burning building. It's amazing. I, I loved it. It was so absurd and over-the-top. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, love is maybe a strong word. It was good. <laughs> anyway. Maggie, what did you think? 
Oh, um, I, yeah, totally enjoyed this movie. I'm a big The Rock fan. I follow him on Instagram. I like wow. his posts. <laughs> I should I just follow think him on Instagram. <laughs> oh, you should. You should. You'll so become you, addicted, believe me. <laughs> Mags, have you been, have you been following um, his feud with Tyrese? No, I haven't actually noticed that, to be honest. <laughs> supposedly, supposedly he and Tyrese have been going um, at each other on Instagram. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> um, I, just, I thought this was an excellent sort of flagship um, uh, vehicle for The Rock and sort of getting his brand out there. Um, he's definitely the centrepiece of this movie, including some of, the, um, some of the stunt work, clearly initiated through gym workouts that he'd had and then decided to bring some of those into the movie itself. Um, even though, you know, it did, you know, yes, the story did feel a little bit derivative of Die Hard. Um, I thought it held its own. Uh, it didn't expect you to take it too seriously. Um, and it did exactly, it delivered exactly what it was meant to be, which is a, a Saturday night, um, diversion. So I loved it. Anna John? I really loved it. I don't think we can criticise it on the basis, and we're not doing that, on the basis that it was unrealistic because what could we possibly have been expecting going into a movie having it, it, that's called Skyscraper with a really tall building poster with the rock jumping from, you know, one ledge into the building on the poster. Like, we knew what we were, we were going into. Um, and <laughs> I thought it was awesome. So here are the things that I really liked about it. I liked that um, the it was not just about big strong man rescue woman and children um i really like that his wife in the movie had a a good really good action Mm -hmm. role as well and she was instrumental in saving herself the children and him so i I wasn't so thrilled about the you know using the ipad at the last moment to you know switch it (laughs) off and on and then actually state the joke out loud that what she was doing is turning (laughs) it off and on That wasn't yeah. great, but everything else was um, excellent. I thought that scene where I know this is insane, but where he's holding okay when the rock when they when they create the when they're on the bridge and they throw the platform over to their son and the bridge is unstable and it's oh yes down. I know and this so, scene this is so an amazing like, scene. I am, Yes, so the rock is like, I am going to hold this bridge together by the mere strength of my arms and this rope. I was all for that. I was like, yes, you go, rock. You go. If anyone can do that, you can. I am all in with that. So I didn't even think that was ridiculous. I loved it. Like, of course it was ridiculous, but I loved it. Um, I actually thought that scene was super tense. Um, And I know that we know that things are probably going to work out well for everybody, but I actually did buy into the possibility that maybe The Rock would die because he says a few things like, you know, my life isn't important, my daughter's life is important. And, you know, I, I thought overall that none of them are going to die, but, you know, I, was, I, I, I could buy into the idea that there were stakes. I really could, especially with the, um, the kid with the asthma and everything. So I don't know how I bought into that, but I did. Um, some of the action moves, like when he's climbing the, um, uh, what's it called? The, the what is pearl. it called? The pearl. The, um, the, the crane. The crane. The, the crane. <laughs> when okay. he's climbing the 
crane so that he can jump onto the <laughs> I love that. Like, I know it's ridiculous that he managed to climb that at super speed and managed to like outclimb the elevator that was coming yes. up to get him. <laughs> with no safety harness, but, his single hat, like a man with a disability, just goes up the stairs. <laughs> fucking amazing. But I totally put it, and when he slipped, I went, <gasps> and I just... I totally bought it. Um, oh, and that's the other point. I, I so I'm, I, I wasn't sure what I thought about the disability aspect. Okay, so first of all, when I realised he had a disability, I was initially going, but but this is an action film, and then I thought, okay, so obviously it's going to be a film where, notwithstanding this disability, he kicks ass, which is fantastic. And I really do like the way they dealt with it because it was never it was never really a weakness. Um, and he kind of used the, you know, he used that leg to save his life a couple of times. Um, and so I like that spin on things. Um, I know there's been some debate about whether it's okay to have someone who doesn't have a disability play someone with a disability. Um, but without sort of going into that, I actually think just having disability on screen is fantastic. So I'm all for that um, one way or another. So my parents also saw this film. And the reason my oh, parents yes. saw it is that I accidentally bought two sets of tickets to it. And so I gave one set to my parents. Um, and they, I knew they would love it because they're completely into Bollywood. And so there's no, they don't need a story line to be realistic they just need it to be fun um and they absolutely loved it my mum thought that the rock was just excellent and that she, that she was just she was just hanging by you know she was she was on the grips of of panic and worry for him all the time because she really bought into every aspect of it so wow <laughs> so yeah i i really loved it and the rock is amazingly charismatic yes mm. wow it's really interesting can i add one I was just going to say, can I add one more action sequence that I loved, which was the elevator, and he oh, used, yeah. yes, the axe. To That's amazing. <laughs> family by hacking into that um, that control box, and then they had to, you know, like gra- grab the brake just before the elevator smashes to the bottom, and it's a glass elevator, and they're plummeting 200 stories, and then they lived. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Because of the magnetic locks or whatever bullshit they came up with there, right? Smart and strong and disabled. <laughs> and, look, can I just say, actually, the disabled thing, like, I mean, he doesn't have a leg. He's, half of his leg, of one leg is missing, right? But, mm. um, I mean, a lot of the stuff that he was doing was like hardcore upper body strength, right? So, I mm. guess in a sort of weird way, that's kind of believable because... I imagine he'd just, like, focus on upper body, right? Like, you know, this massive upper body, which is exactly what we saw. We saw a bunch of gym exercises that required superhuman upper body strength and endurance. It was like... (laughs) Yeah, Fitness First should just put that film on in, like, on the TVs because there's so many, like, interesting exercises you can get out of that film. Okay, okay. I should say that... I should say that for my own part, um, the action was probably the least remarkable aspect of the movie for me. And I say that because, let's face it, a lot of this movie was a creature of CGI. The entire skyscraper was a CGI creation. Um, there's no such building in Hong Kong as um, the Pearl. <laughs> you, you mean there isn't really a building that's like 
three times the size of any other building in the. Not only that, there's no building that there's no building in Hong Kong that that's that flat out defies the law of the laws of physics. Because if you can, if you can show me an engineer who'd be willing to sign off a design that has that spherical object being held in place that high, with basically sort of held in place with three at three points, um, and doesn't sort of tumble off the building. Um, I'd be very impressed because there is simply no way that building could could stay up or that yeah, sphere could stay where it is. Show me a dinosaur. Show me an alien. Like, right, Don't you buy right, right. I'm sorry. Let, let me just finish. <laughs> I I was just making the point that it, it's it, the movie does recall in several sequences the Burj Khalifa scene from Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, and what made that particular action scene so impressive was the fact that Tom Cruise, albeit with cables was genuinely hanging off the side of the Burj Khalifa. And because this was largely a creature, because what The Rock did was so um, supplemented by CGI, it's less impressive than the Burj Khalifa action scene. I'm not saying it wasn't impressive to see. I I find heights, particularly sort of very, very tall heights, um, nerve-wracking. And so I had sweaty palms during this movie. But... It didn't quite land the way that Tom Cruise hanging off the Burj Khalifa in Dubai landed for me when we watched Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Um, so, uh, which which I think goes to show that there's still space, I think, in action movies for practical effects rather than CGI. And where practical effects are used, um, it can oftentimes be more impressive, notwithstanding that the spectacle might be smaller. You actually did have sweaty hands during the movie, and I remember wondering why. And I, did, I can't believe it's because you were actually really nervous. <laughs> you just Hilarious. thought it was just chronic sweaty hands. <laughs> Stop touching me, Gerald. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even even watching the Burj Khalifa scene on a small screen, as I sometimes do um, on our TV, um, makes my palms go sweaty. Oh wow. Okay, look. On on that note, let's let's move on to. Look, I think a lot of the reviews um, online and elsewhere have talked about um, how close this film cleaves to Die Hard and Towering Inferno. I personally haven't seen Towering Inferno, but obviously I've seen Die Hard. Um, So, look, I I think at the beginning of this episode, we talked about how, you know, there is an element of cliche within this film. Um, Did you guys... How did you feel it compared to Die Hard? And did you feel that being a cliche was necessarily a bad bad thing for this film. Um, look, wh- wh- why, don't I, why don't I start uh, on this, right? I, I, I felt that this film was super aware that it was going to be compared to Die Hard. Like, super, super aware. Because there's heaps of scenes in this film where you kind of go, okay, so basically they did the Die Hard thing, but just made it more explosive or crazier, right? So, you know, obviously there's a, that like, you know, John McClane in Die Hard walks around, um, basically, like, in Die Hard, part of the shtick is that the hero has some sort of um, debilitating factor, right? So John McClane walks around on the glass, and so he has blood everywhere, and he's in pain, etc., and that's his debilitating factor. Here, they basically said, F that. Like, we're just going to cut off the leg of one of, one of the, the main character, right? Um, you, you also obviously have that scene right at the end when Bota, the, the ethnically unclear but 
clearly very white villain, right, falls off the edge of the thing. And in Die Hard, Hans Gruber falls off into, like, an explosion, right? Here, they have basically exactly the same scene, but he kicks the grenade into into Botha to make him explode as he's falling, right? So scenes like that kind of make me think, okay, so they're clearly very aware that this this is going to be a Die Hard-style film, right? Um, I I didn't really mind it. I, I thought they paid kind of homage to Die Hard, um, and in some ways, I think The Rock's hero is more sympathetic than John McClane, because The Rock's hero, if you notice, um, actually never uses a gun. He doesn't kill anybody with a gun, right? Like, he, he's very, it, it, it's kind of like, for a film that likes to spell everything out really clearly... Like, it was something that they only mentioned at the beginning, and then they didn't refer to it again. But, like, The Rock basically... Doesn't doesn't he kill his mate with a gun at the beginning? No, but he's not the one wielding it, right? He accidentally shoots the mate. But did you notice that everywhere else, he goes for the axe or the sword? Like, it's kind of a weird scene where the climax, the sort of Enter the Dragon-style climax, where they enter the Room of Mirrors, right? Like... He's wielding a sword when all the other guys have, like, semi-automatic weapons, right? And the Chinese businessman, who has no right being there, right, is the one carrying the gun. (laughs) It's just some guy. (laughs) So instead of giving it to a trained soldier, he gives the trained soldier a sword, and he runs around with a gun himself. So, yeah, anyway, like, I I didn't feel like um, it was too much of a cliché. I thought that was... Like stuff that was different, and I didn't feel like um, the sort of diehard comparisons were a disservice for this film. Um, yeah, what did you guys think? I think it was only a disservice in one respect, namely the quality of the villains. Because <clears throat> Berta was, let's face it, a shit villain. I mean, Hans Gruber is one of the. I think we can say he's one of the all-time great action movie villains. Um, the role of Hans Gruber introduced Alan Rickman to the world, and um, <clears throat> without 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 which we would not have you know sort of Professor Snape and so on from the Harry Potter franchise. So um, he 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 remains probably the gold standard for all the villains in the, the in the entire Die Hard franchise. Not even Jeremy Irons playing his brother in Die Hard with a Vengeance um, comes remotely close to the sort of smarmy. Um, charisma of Alan Rickman in um, in Die Hard. So the villains are are particularly weak in this movie. Um, we had Noah Taylor being a very very obvious um, rat. I mean, the moment he stepped the moment he stepped into the frame, he just knew he was going to turn on. Um, yes, the businessman. <laughs> yeah, like- and, and 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 he and he dies very very quickly. He sort of he sort of dies very unmemorably. One one sort of kind of wonders how much money they threw at Noah Taylor for him to sort of completely sell his dignity the way that he does in this movie. Um, Let's talk and- about the role he's supposed to play, though. He's supposed to be like an insurance underwriter or something, right? Like, how is this guy, the businessman, Zhao, not aware that, like, hang on, this guy who's supposed to be an insurance underwriter really doesn't act like an insurance underwriter at all. (laughs) He seems to act like a part of my inner entourage. Who is this stranger? Why is he acting so familiar with me? (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, it, and, I, and why and why is he literally twirling his moustache? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's. <laughs> but I love that it's so dumb like that. Right? Those are the things that I'm like, ah, I don't care. It's so dumb and it's fine. <laughs> It, it is dumb, but the, the, I mean, Butter is a significantly sort of Butter is 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 a problem because he's so bland, and you know, I don't I don't mind the fact that he's ethnically ambiguous, notwithstanding the fact that Butter is very clearly a South African name, uh, which make which is supposed to make us all hate him. But he he's just so he's just such a non-entity, and none of the villains are particularly kick-ass. I mean, they try to make the Chinese lady a kind of kick-ass. Which is actually really stupid because, like, the moment the hacker says, "Hey, I've just, I've now got complete control of the building, and only I can 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 do it because um, only I can access it," she shoots him, and you're like, "Well, that's kind of stupid." Because at some point later in the movie, she's complaining about how the fact about the fact that she doesn't have control of of the penthouse. Yes, and but- so <laughs> you know, yeah, look. She, we'll talk about the Chinese connection later on. I felt like her role is quite, there are a lot of roles for sort of Chinese, young Chinese starlets that kind of are not very well fleshed out. And I wonder whether it's kind of like, you just have to have it for the Chinese audience or not, right? I'm not entirely, but we'll talk about that later on. Um, To the point of, how dumb it was that, like, they kind of lost control of the building. The one thing that really stuck out for me in this film, where it was like, this is really dumb, but this is actually a bridge too far, was when, you know, Bota threatens the daughter, takes the daughter to the roof, threatens to throw her off, because they can't get into this guy's room, mm-hmm. right? And then, the moment they leave, the rock basically gets up, taps on a panel, and is like, oh, I'll just go over there. He's <laughs> like, what? Hang on. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it, it, was, it just seemed like it, was, it wasn't hidden at all. Everybody kind of, you just tap on the iPad two times and you know exactly how to open the room. Fine, he has to jump, go through the whole jumping and the, like, <laughs> hanging onto the ledge and whatever. But, like, it just it struck me oh. as, like, exceedingly dumb. <laughs> One other thing about how dumb their plan is, remember how in order to access the USB stick or whatever the hell that thing is, they actually need Lau from The Dark Knight alive, Yes. but they don't, they don't bring a parachute for it. So one of <laughs> one of the batteries has to sacrifice his parachute for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, this is true. I, I imagine if you really thought into the bad guy's plan, it was riddled with holes. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, okay. So, um, did, did, did you guys have anything else to say about, like, the cliched nature of this film, or...? No, none of this worried me. Like, the, the, the poor villains, the cliches, none of it worried me, because The Rock was that good. Like, he was that charismatic that he just drove... He and his family were so charismatic that they drove the whole film, and none of this stuff mattered to me in the moment. Like, it's, they're all interesting points, retrospectively, but in the moment, I didn't care. So... Did it, were you guys concerned about the... Okay, so it's kind of linked to cliche, but the predictable nature of the plot. So 
you know, like, you can see the the setups telegraphed from miles away, right? Like, you know, when the when the wife, he's teaching the wife to turn on and off her phone, it's like, this is clearly going to be a setup for later. You know, even when his friend, right? The moment the friend opens the lift and the lift opens, his friend is there and he gives him the nighttime tickets for the Punisher. Like, okay, this guy, this guy is <laughs> double-crossing him. Let's, like, all this... All this stuff, right? Where, where it's kind of like, oh, and then when Lau takes him into the Pearl Room, the like House of Mirrors, you're like, yeah. okay, so this is where the climax of the film is going to be, right? So, <laughs> did, were you guys concerned by that, or, or not really? Nah, not at all. Yeah, no. I wasn't thinking that hard about it to begin with, and th- those things didn't pop up in my mind as ah, uh, uh, there it is. I mean, often those things do because you can because films often follow a certain kind of structure, and there is signposting. But for some reason, it didn't happen. Mm. No, okay. I mean, The Rock needed you know a plot device to be able to go from one muscle up to another. So yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, let let the Chinese let's, connection. Yeah, let's let's talk about the Chinese con- connection for a bit. So, as we all know, Legendary Pictures, um, the production company that made this film, um, was bought by uh, I don't know I can't remember which Chinese company bought it, but um, it was bought by a Chinese company. And the reality is that when you look at the numbers, um, I think the opening box office weekend, this film did much better in China than it did in um, America. Like, in fact, I right. think probably 30-40% of the total total takings of this film are from China. So, um, I mean, so, th- th- like, in my mind, there's definite, like, there's definite sort of aspects of this film that feel like they're catered to the Chinese market. So, I'm going to talk through kind of like some of the things that I kind of picked up. Um, and then maybe we can have a chat about other stuff that you picked up or, and also whether we think um, this actually affected the film in any sort of reasonable way, because I know that there is a fear that kind of like, I think the fear arises from the, from the Transformers films, right? Where they're just legitimately bad films, but for whatever reason, China loves them. Right. And so, like people continue to make these bad films now clearly none of us thought this was a bad film so like um but you know were there any things here that felt out of place because of like sort of the chinese the chinese market um like for me i'll start off with actually a positive right one of the things that i really enjoyed about this film was the fact that one asian actors got um exposure like i kind of feel like there's not that many Asian actors running around Hollywood and they're obviously struggling to find work. And I think pretty much all of them, <laughs> like most of the, a lot of the sort of like background, well, not background, but like guys who are not as well known, but sort of keep popping up in films are cast in this film. Right. And more than that, they actually cast Chinese people. Um, so um, I, I think one of the criticisms, look, I'm ethnically Chinese. So I understand Chinese, right? So um, one of the criticisms often with films is that when people open their mouths to speak Chinese, it's really obvious you haven't cast a Chinese person there, right? Like, it's really obvious you've cast, like, a Japanese person or whatever, and they're just, like, making it up. Or or the reverse. You've cast a Chinese person as a Japanese person, and they're just, like, trying to say the words, right? Um, mm-hmm. The one good thing about this film is that 
like, the Cantonese is, like, on point, right? Like, everyone in this film seems like they know how to speak Cantonese. Like, the bits when the cops are talking to each other, like, what they're saying feels like, uh, like a Hong Kong cop film from the 90s, right? Like, it, it's, you know, they the language they use is, like, it feels authentic, right? So yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's really nice. And in fact... In the cinema that we were in, we were in, we watched this in George Street, and obviously there's a lot of Chinese people come to watch the film on a Saturday night in George Street, and one of the bits of the film that elicited a chuckle was when Nev Campbell spoke Chinese, and it was so jarring, because it was the first bit of Chinese that didn't really sound like Chinese, and you could tell all these Chinese people sitting in the audience just kind of cracked up, because they were like, what? What did she actually just say there? <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, I, I like that. I, I felt that, like, um, this was a film that kind of understood the geography of Hong Kong as well. Like, I mean, I, I go to Hong Kong a lot, and, like, this was not, like... This was definitely a film that was set in Hong Kong. You could kind of geographically identify where the pearl would be, right? It'd be, like, on the unclaimed land, like, close to the ICC, right? It's like that... Re- the, sorry, the reclaimed land, kind of where the ICC is right now. So it's kind of like, ah, geographically, this all this this is written or like this film is made by people who like understand the geographical circumstances and understand the cultural circumstances, and it all reflects right. So um, I like that. Um, I think the big negative for me from uh, this sort of Chinese connection perspective is that um, what Gerald was talking about the. Um, the lady who plays the villain, right? And on one level, she's really kick-ass, right? Like, she's sort of... She basically looks like an anime character where she's got the funky mm. hair and, like, she does these crazy, like, action moves. But then the moment she kind of opens her mouth, she kind of, like... And her actions and then her oh, lines yeah. kind of just loses credibility. And it, I don't know what it is, right? I Like, I kind of feel They're like... They're cringe. They're really cringe. Yeah, they really are. And it's kind of like... I kind of I don't know if it's just like the Chinese audience demands a Chinese lady like starlet in that role, and so they've just like sort of shoved someone in there. It, it feels like a really weird, out of place role that is not properly done, is written poorly, and then like outside of the action is not very well done. I mean, what, what were your guys' thoughts on that? You know, yeah. I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gerald. No, I was just going to say, I, I agree with that, but I don't think it's actually the worst example of that sort of um, inorganic shoving in of a, of a Chinese starlet in a movie. I think the worst example of that is still um, Kong Skull Island, where for no reason whatsoever, the um, female lead from the Matt Damon movie, The Great Wall, was on the boat and spent the entire movie on the boat and not saying a single word. <laughs> but occasionally, occasionally the camera would focus on her. And she'd sort of be looking off at the horizon and you'd be like, I can't believe this woman is still here and still alive in this movie. So, yeah, there are there are certainly instances of this sort of casting in order to appeal to the, the Chinese market. And that's particularly the Kong Skull Island has a glaring example. And this, too, is, I think, a glaring example. But I, I think the problem with that character is not so much, um, you know, the fact that she's just there as. Um, a bit of, um, you know, as an adornment so that Chinese audiences will be more inclined to flock to this movie. It's that the, the character is just so dumb. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, her decisions are not sound, right? Like, she's like this ridiculous marksman, though, right? I mean, yeah, she, she's basically just there to kick ass, and that's it. She's like an odd job cell character, basically, right? Mm. So I've got no. I very much support um, casting people of different ethnicities and, like, you know, especially non-white ethnicities um, on screen. I think it's great for people to see that. Um, I I have a bit of an. I don't love it so much when it seems like you create characters just to be able to cast um, those roles. And the entire police department seemed like it was... I didn't see the, the point of them. Like It seemed like they were there just to have more characters, more Chinese characters. Um, similarly, the woman, she was kick-ass, but she was... I, I, don't, I, I don't think she was actually that integral at all to the plot. The thing I do have an actual problem with, and the thing that I think makes the movies worse is that what I've noticed is that in different countries, especially like very sort of different countries such as China or India, their acting industry, they, they learn to act in a different way and they the way they act is really different to the way Western actors act. So, for example, yep. yeah, so in Bollywood, it's massive overacting, massive overacting, and if you saw that, it wouldn't, it would just be so uncomfortable and it would seem so fake and you would laugh. And that's just how they act. That's how they're taught to act. That's their method and it fits their audience. When you take someone who's learned to act that way and you put them in a Western movie, it's jarring. The acting doesn't seem good. It may be very good acting for what it is and for the style they've learned how to act in but for the style that we're used to it doesn't look like good acting it doesn't seem natural and it takes you out of the world and that's what I don't like and there was a bit of that in this movie um and that yeah I think that's unfortunate but if you could just cast people of different ethnicities who've grown up in the same acting style and learnt the same acting style as what we're used to that would be perfect well I actually think that the um, Lao, sorry, Zhao, the businessman, right? He's been, mm-hmm. he's, he's definitely a Western actor. I, I, I yes, don't think and he's... he is not jarring, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so he kind of... But what of, about the police people? Like, they were a bit well, jarring to the me. police chief is not a, like, a Hong Kong actor. He's, he's a Western really? actor. Yeah. Oh, so the police yeah. chief, yeah, the police chief. I, I actually didn't mind the cops, actually. Like, I kind of felt like... Yeah, I don't know. They felt like they were I mean, were the kick-ass woman is definitely not a, a Western actor. You can tell that, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, like, if the Western... The kick-ass woman was the one that definitely... I, I, I was not as concerned by the police department because there's heaps of films where the Hong Kong police department is just running around <laughs> twirling their thumbs while Jackie Chan saves the day, right? So, <laughs> well, they're just sitting back and, like, a lot of people going, Asa, Asa. <laughs> no, I mean, what they say, like, that's what how, that's how they, res- like, call the sergeant in the conky, like, cop films, right? It's like, it's authentic. <laughs> so... <laughs> The incompetence is authentic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. Let's let's move on to um, talk about the rock, right? Like this 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 film hangs off the rock, right? Like, like I mean, do we agree with that? Do we agree with that statement? Like his charisma carries this film. Um, Absolutely, and. The man is a literal and figurative titan of pop culture, a man who has been profiled in GQ magazine as a potential 
uh, next president of the United States. Um, uh, and he's really sort of, He's really sort of blazed a trail. I mean, um, people like John Cena and Dave Bautista owe their film careers, I think, to The Rock, who, pion- who pioneered the transition from wrestler to um, film star in a way that not even sort of not even Schwarzenegger, uh, I think, did because Schwarzenegger was a great action star, particularly in in his heyday in the late eighties and early nineties, but um, the Rock has this sort of um, this likability and charisma that far exceeds even Schwarzenegger's um, at his peak. Um, you know, this is the bloke who I think it's fair to say um, injected a whole lot of life into the Fast and Furious franchise mm-hmm. at a time when it was seemingly moribund, and um, and he he has such an amazing presence. He doesn't. T- you, you know, you you, you kind of get that. You, you get the sense that he's he's in on the joke, even when he's just acting the shit out of a scene. Mm. Uh, and and so he, he he really holds the thing together, both again again both literally and figuratively. Because I mean, without without him in this movie, the seams would really show. The flaws would be far more apparent. Um, the uh, idiocy of the plot would be far more obvious. But because he's up there and because of who he is and how he is, um, you're willing to give this movie a very, very big pass. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it speaks, it really does speak volumes about um, the man's claim to being just an old-fashioned um, big movie star. Yeah, yeah. I mean... He, he used to refer to himself as the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, and I would argue that he's the most electrifying film in, man in movies now as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Mags, do you want to talk about this a little bit? Because um, of all of us, you follow The Rock on Instagram, so <laughs> did, did you feel like <laughs> The Rock lived up to expectation? And why, why do you follow him on Instagram? Why is The Rock such a, like... I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Does it seem out of character, Anna? <laughs> no, I would li- I, I'm going to be following him. Well, who wouldn't want to see more of The Rock just pop up on their screen every now and then? <laughs> but I think he does. I completely agree with Gerald about um, the amount of natural charisma that this guy just emits. It's it's quite amazing, and I think part of it is the brand that they've built since that first movie he made where he was um, uh, part of the Mummy franchise as the Scorpion King. I mean, he's come a long way from that CGI um, bit of pop culture up to now in Skyscraper. Um, The previous movie that I saw him in as well was Jumanji, and I thought he also emitted that same um, likability, and he made that movie um, a lot of fun as well. Um, he has a natural, I think, um, gift of comedy. Um, and on Instagram, the sort of, um, I guess, brand image he cultivates is one of optimism, of hard work, um, and um, encouragement as well for his fans. So he's always talking directly to the people who follow him on Instagram. He replies to some posts as well, um, and he's always sort of putting up posts of him in the gym working but it's always in the context of um, the pressures he's had that day, what time it is that he's working out, 
usually it's, you know, really late at night, like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Um, shout outs to his team, to members of the public that he's visited, you know, community groups or um, disadvantaged people that he's sponsoring or helping out. Um, it's quite a positive um, message. And the platform he always builds from is where he came from, his humble origins. So you can already see the beginnings of a campaign, I suppose, if he was to run for president of, um, you know, the grassroots, where he came from and where he is now. Um, and he brings that, to me anyway, he brings all of that brand, the Rock brand, the Dwayne Johnson brand, to the screen as well and the characters he's chosen in the last few movies. Um, so in Jumanji and then here in Skyscraper, um, I haven't seen that other recent movie he was in um, where he killed giant monsters. He killed giant there monsters. Another, there's another movie he's in now. Which oh, I've Rampage, seen. Rampage. Yeah, Rampage. Rampage. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Which is another Chinese movie, I believe. Yeah. Well, uh, one that is technically based on a video game from like 25 years ago. Which uh, had no storyline. <laughs> so I think I think that one is in a similar vein to Skyscraper in terms of the character he plays and being a family man. So mm. it's quite interesting seeing the the um, the movies he's picked in the last few years, mm. um, how he's cultivated that brand. Mm. And I mean, what I find extraordinary about him is I believe what he says, and I know it's I know it's marketing. I know it's very careful brand management, image management, but there's something about this guy that makes me want to believe him. There's something genuine and authentic about the way he presents himself that makes me want to believe him, and that's why I believe him in Skyscraper. There is something very American about him, right? Like, there's that sort of, um, like, you know, you know, like, I guess Americans often... and. And maybe this is a gross generalization, right? But there's like, you know, th that sort of positive talk, that sort of, you know, active networking and that sort of thing. It feels like, I mean, from a corporate perspective, my experience has been that, you know, you know, they're not afraid to talk up their achievements, but they're always talking about it in a really positive way of like interacting with other people to like do other things. I mean... Like, where we are over here and where we are, like, and the States, the corporate world is, I mean, the way people approach it, the way they network, the way they talk is, like, different. I think in Australia, we're, we're probably more cynical and less, I mean, from a Australian perspective, we, we do have this sort of idea of, like, you know, we don't like to talk ourselves up and all this type of stuff, right? So, um, and with The Rock, there's kind of none of that. There's just this really earnest... Um, sincere, but like, um, yeah, earnest and sincere sort of celebration of kind of who he is, right? And you, you kind of like, at some point, like the cynicism falls away and you kind of just feel bored in, brought, brought, brought into it. Um, mm. yeah, mm. I, I've definitely noticed that like, um, I mean, you, you follow his Instagram mags and sometimes I see his Instagram and, um, I think there's kind of this dual... He's, like, likeable for quite a few reasons, right? One, because he's po so positive and earnest and has that sort of real American feel about him, right? Um, I think the other thing is that, like, for guys, he's just, like, a unit. He's so massive, 
right? Like, there's, there's something about how massive the guy is, which is like, oh my god, that guy is massive, right? You see him... Without and being <laughs> gross. Like, yeah. normally, too much muscle can be really off-putting, and for some reason, he is as much much muscle as you can get, and he's hot! Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love seeing him at the gym, because it's like... When I see him at the gym, it, like, makes me want to go to the gym and, like, <laughs> do deadlift or, like, do, like, tremendous weight, right? It, it's, like, there's something, like, he's not, like, the type of gym, like, you see see people working out at the gym and you're like, ah, that guy, whatever, right? When you see him, you're like, man, I'm motivated, right? Like, The Rock is, is awesome. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting persona he's cultivated and... Um, yeah, like he's he's, so, defi- he's definitely the Schwarzenegger of our generation. I would, well, not mm. Schwarzenegger was the Schwarzenegger of our generation. This is the Schwarzenegger <laughs> of this generation, I imagine. Yeah, I, I think it's also well worth mentioning the the fact that he is, um, you know, ethnically he is an ethnically he comes from an ethnically diverse background. I think he's part Samoan, etc. Um, and so it's. Yeah, and so he's got this, he's got this crossover appeal, which is, I think, um, sort of comparable to the sort of crossover appeal that, and I know this is a bad comparison, but it's the first one, it's the one that comes naturally to mind <coughs> that that OJ Simpson had in the late seventies, where he basically <laughs> basically transcended, he basically transcended ethnic divides and his own ethnicity, um, uh, and. And it's it's actually refreshing to see in this movie that you know sort of he he here he is he's got a, he's got a white wife and he's got these um, he's got these biracial children and it makes for this uh, very appealing tableau of what America demographically will be in future decades and I think that's it's 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 part it's part of his appeal I think you know he 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 has that sort of with his masculinity and his upbeat Americanness, there's something about him that appeals to red state America. But he's not—he's not averse to placing himself in the middle of precisely the sort of demographic trends that would appeal to blue state America. So he has a, univ- a universal appeal that um, that I think few people can replicate. Mm-hmm. And he—and he also because of that, and because he keeps emphasising his humble roots. There's a certain element of the underdog in there too, which is quite interesting. So I'm just looking, while you guys have been talking, I'm, I've been on his Instagram account. Um, <laughs> and there's one post from the 10th of July, um, uh, which is a loss, where he posts a picture of a Los Angeles Times article that says, Skyscraper challenges Dwayne Johnson and summer box office norms. And he's got... Many, many calling us crazy for releasing our original skyscraper amongst the summer of giant superhero franchises and people. <coughs> That's cool, because as crazy, you sometimes dent the universe. Um, I'm proud we made a great one in early audiences loving the film. I live to compete, so bring on the summer giants. Again, just don't punch me too hard in the face. Love letter, letter to the classics, and it talks about how the movie's an open love letter to films they grew up on, like Die Hard, Towering Inferno, and the Spielberg classics that mastered the art of building tension. Yeah. Nice. Interesting, right? I mean, that's a really positive message that kind of addresses, 
like a lot of the, I guess, the critics that for the of the film, right? So, yeah, he's um, yeah, he's he's a definitely definitely someone who I could imagine, given where we are with politics, like <laughs> potentially running in the future. Yeah. Um, oh my god, he has a hundred and eleven million followers. Yeah. Give us some. <sighs> We've got three. <laughs> And they're all right here. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. On on that note. Oh, before we end, um, I actually just want to say that I actually thought Nev Campbell was not bad in this role. I have not seen She's Nev good. Campbell for ages, mm. right? I thought she played a like she was like she played a really believable <laughs> for a film like this, Mum. And yeah, I, I thought she was good, right? Like I thought mm. she played well mm. next to The Rock, actually, and. Um, you know, like, I was looking at some of the other actresses that they had lined up, and I think Nev Campbell, I don't know what it is, but she's kind of got this down-to-earth feel to her, which really suits kind of the type of family that, you know, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, Rock was like this sort of um, down-on-his-luck security sort of consultant sort of thing. Like, it was like his family was, like, reasonably believable, right? So, yeah, I, I thought Nev Campbell added a mm. lot to that to that sort of family dynamic there. So, yeah, good on her. I haven't seen her in anything for ages since Party of Five, but, like, good on her for doing this, because I thought she was good. Yeah, she was... She was. She appeared She appeared for a couple of episodes in, I think, the third or fourth season of Mad Men, and then she appeared for about two or three seasons in House of Cards. Yeah. So she's she's been working, but um, no, nothing nothing as high-profile as, as this, or nothing as purportedly high-profile high as this. Um, yeah, and, you know, so she, I think... Um, acquitted herself well in the role, and what one of the surprising things I noticed from one of the earlier scenes in the film is that, um, as big as The Rock is, she is surprisingly not quite as small as you'd expect because she's only sort of like half a head smaller than The Rock. Uh, when you'd expect when you'd expect him to sort of be to to sort of loom head, shoulders, and you know, sort of waist over her. But, yeah, yeah. but she's she's she, she's actually not as not as not as not as petite as I as I expected. So uh, and so you know that that lends sort of credibility to to this notion of um, Nev Campbell um, action star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, yeah. thank you very much for another really fun episode. Um, does anybody have anything else to add about skyscraper? I think we've talked about skyscraper as much as we can, right? <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, thank you very much, everybody, for um, having a fun chat tonight, and um, we'll see you next week. See you, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.